0: Well, good morning. Uh, I'm glad you guys could join us here on this Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you got some great plans to maybe meet up with with some friends, have a cookout, uh, that type of stuff. And so uh, this is it. This is week six of our Free Swim series. We're drawing it to the close uh, as we've been kind of uh, diving into the book of Galatians collectively together as a church. And I don't know about you guys, but I know our our staff has kind of felt like this has been a a pretty pretty good tight-knit series, not just the the teaching content, but from the games to the the bookmarks to the online facebook devos uh to the groups being in step we just felt like this has been a very very catalytic series for us as a church it's been fun it's been engaging and so it's kind of a it's kind of sad to uh see it go go to a close but uh we must move on i guess and so uh, as we wrap up galatians today we want to answer this one question so what do i do The so what? What what is my response? How am I to respond to the book of Galatians as a follower of Jesus? And so as we wrap it up, we want to kind of give you this one idea that we're going to give it to you right now and, and unpack it today. Is that Jesus sets you free to set others free. Kind of the big idea that we feel like that the book of Galatians builds towards, that this is the climax, this is the uppercut, this is the thesis, this is the underlying truth that Paul wants the readers to walk away with, and thus us to walk away with, is that Jesus sets you free, but to set others free. And so if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to dive in starting with verses 1 through 6. Uh, Galatians 5, 1 through 6. So just, just a very brief recap as you turn there to Galatians 5. Um, we've been kind of talking about this idea that was laid out in week 1 where we talked about there was these, these fake lifeguards, if you will, that were more concerned with keeping people out of the pool of faith than they were about helping them get in the pool of faith and enjoy it. And, and they're kind of known as the Judaizers and they had distorted the truth of the gospel and we said that when you distort the gospel you actually destroy the gospel and so Paul is actually writing to this church plant that he started he left he went and planted some other churches and so he's writing back because he heard of this and he's saying okay no, no no we need to get this right that you don't have to be Jewish in order to belong to the family of God. That was kind of what the fake lifeguards were saying, that you have to be Jewish, whether born into a Jewish family or you had to adhere to circumcision as a means of adding to your faith in order to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so Paul is saying, no, no, these Judaizers, they have gotten it wrong. And so the whole book of Galatians has been building up unto this point uh, we talked about last week that everyone who is of faith, regardless of your past, regardless of your demographics, regardless of where you grew up, where you come from, what you look like, that anybody who expresses faith in Jesus belongs to the family of Abraham because of the work of Jesus. And so today, uh, this is kind of the culmination of it all. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, follow along with me. starts with this. He says, it is for freedom. I want you to to Uh, to let that phrase just kind of burn into your mind for a little bit. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await, that's such an important phrase, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through so Paul kind of just lays it out there at the very beginning he kind of gives it to us there at the beginning of verse one when he says so you want to know what this whole thing is about you want to know what faith is about you want to know what the gospel is about you want to know what following Jesus is really all about he lays it there at the beginning of verse one he just says it is for freedom that's it And it's kind of a a weird phrase. It's kind of an interesting phrase that we're going to unpack today. But it's this idea that we have been freed from our past. We have been freed from our bondage. We have been freed from the lane lines and the sunblock. We've been freed from the things that we feel like we have to do to earn God's love. We're freed from the weight and the bondage of our sin. And Paul says, you have been freed, but for a purpose. That you have been given freedom from all of those things, but it's not just for yourself. That you have been freed. That the grace of Jesus has come into your life for freedom. Paul briefly kind of mentions that he talks about circumcision in the law again. And this is a topic throughout Galatians. And, and he's kind of trying to remind the Galatians one last time. He says, don't forget, don't forget that, that if you want to follow the law as a means of earning your righteousness, and he kind of does, but that wasn't the point of the law in the first place. But if you want to do that, go ahead, but just know then you are enslaved to the law. It's kind of a hard topic to say, hey, you can either be free or you can be a slave. You see, that was kind of what the the Judaizers were doing, the fake lifeguards. They were kind of making this thing that either you need to lean onto something other than Jesus or in addition to your faith with Jesus. But Paul is saying, let's not forget that we are freed by Jesus and Jesus alone. And he says, though, it is for freedom that we have been freed. You notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say it's for your own comfort that you've been freed. It's for your own mindset that you've been freed. He doesn't say it's for you to do whatever you please that you've been given freedom. He doesn't say you've been freed to kind of to fit, stay into a box and, and a churchy little box and you don't let anybody else get into that box unless they, they, they fit in that box too. No, no, he doesn't say that the purpose of freedom isn't any of that. It's for one purpose only, that you have been freed for freedom. This is kind of like a brave heart moment of Paul right? This is a William Wallace, this is a let's paint our faces, let's put on a kilt, let's take off our shirts and let's run out to the middle of the cornfields because we don't have hills in Illinois and, and, and yield swords and just shout, freedom! Like this is what Paul is doing here. He's saying remember that it's all about freedom. He's saying guys, 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 you have been freed because of the work of Jesus. But guess what? It is also for freedom that you have that newfound freedom. I love what Paul then, he continues, he says, so then stand firm. This is a call. This is a a military phrase used to say, hey, don't lose the battle line. Know your directive. Gather everybody together and push them down this singular plan. He's saying it is for freedom. And so he says, stand firm. Don't lose that freedom. Hold on to it. Fight for it. That this is a call for who we are in Jesus then he starts to make that correlation. He says, but if you let go, if you no longer stand firm, if you lean on something else other than Jesus to have a purpose of your faith, he says, then you're now a slave. He's intentionally choosing these words. He's saying you can follow a system into slavery or you can follow Jesus into freedom. See, Paul's made this point. He's saying that you cannot add to Jesus without subtracting him. The whole book of Galatians has been about this point, that if you add anything to the faith of Jesus, he's he's thinking about the Judaizers who were saying you have to add circumcision to your faith in order to be made right with God. He's saying if you want to try and add anything to Jesus, in result, what you do is you actually get rid of Jesus. And so he says you have two choices. You can follow systems, rule keeping, the law as a means to earn God's love even though it's always been about showing you that you need faith or you can embrace the freedom that Jesus gives. I think Paul if he was leaning in he was kind of saying guys come here let me let me put it this way lean in. Never let anyone put a weight on your faith. Never let anyone put a weight on your freedom. Never let anyone try to tie you down with something called the gospel because what the gospel does is the gospel brings freedom and freedom to the masses. He's kind of making this point. Never let anybody put a weight on your faith by telling you that you have to earn your way to heaven. Never let anybody tell you that you have to adhere to a system. You have to fit in a box. You have to look a certain way, act a certain way, think a certain way first before you can belong to the family of God. But he's also saying, don't let anybody tell you that you have, that your sin is too great. That your past is too messed up. That your sin, there's no way when it gets to a certain level that God could possibly forgive you. Paul is saying, don't let anyone ever put a weight on your faith. Because it is for freedom that you have been freed. And then I love kind of what, where Paul goes next though. He says, so because of this freedom, because you want to be free and not slaves, he says, so we eagerly await this hope that is to come. Eagerly wait. It's like this, this, this unhealthy amount of positive anticipation. You, you know when you're a kid and you're... Um, it's like Christmas Eve, right? And 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 the day just drags on because you know what's coming the next day, and you get put in your Christmas jammies and you gotta take pictures and, and dinner just seems to go forever. And you're just like, Mom, I wanna go home so I can go to bed and wake up for Christmas the next you know what I'm talking about? It's I know it's been a few it's been it's been a while since I've been here in Champaign, so I'm a little energetic, right? And, and so Paul is saying we eagerly await that righteousness that is to come, that freedom that has delivered us. But guess what? That, that, the ultimate fulfillment of that freedom, it comes in the next life. But we get to eagerly await that just the, the same way in which a, a little kid is anticipating Santa coming and the gifts he gets to open. It's that same excitement that we get for Jesus because we know that when this life passes, the real life truly begins. And so we eagerly await what is to come. But because of that, because our mindset changes, right? Because we no longer think about this life, but we get to think about the next. Because we're no longer concerned about the troubles and the toils and and, and the hiccups of this life, because we eagerly await the righteousness that is to come in the next, our mind shift goes from an eternal perspective, from an earthly perspective. Or as it go, from an earthly to an eternal. And so because we eagerly await that righteousness that we have been freed from, Paul then says this, So your faith, the faith that you have, the faith that's growing within you, is best expressed in love. That the faith that Jesus has given to you, the freedom that he has imparted into your life, as Paul says in Galatians 2 when he says, it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me, that that faith, that freedom is best expressed in love. That the more we eagerly await, the more our faith is expressed in love. That's the point Paul is beginning to make. Paul takes a quick turn when he begins talking about that your faith is kind of like a race. Then he gets back on course, and then he says this in Galatians chapter uh, 5, verses 13 through 15. He says, So though, so you, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be, there it is again, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly. In love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command: love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So Paul kind of starts in verses one through six. He starts on on one end of the spectrum when he says, "Remember, you've been freed. Don't let anybody put a weight on your sin, whether them saying that your sin is too great, or or, or, or don't let them." try to bog you down with a system that's actually not going to help. And then he says, though, but let me answer the other question. Let me answer the other end of the continuum. Because it's kind of a realistic conversation here. Well, if Jesus died, his life, burial, resurrection, gives me freedom, gives me new life, and it's all because of grace, and I have done nothing to earn it, huh, Does that mean I get to do whatever I want? Does that mean I get to live my life as I see fit? Does that mean I get to focus on myself and nobody? Does that mean I get to make whatever bad decision I want to make because of grace? Man, this is really good. And Paul just says, hold up. We're going to put that to a stop before you go down that path. So Paul begins to say, don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather... That the freedom you have in Jesus, if it is truly transforming and compelling your life, it should result in love for others. Paul even says, look at the law. The whole law is fulfilled in one phrase, in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. That even the law points to this idea that when we are free, when we are obedient, when we are living to God, what it actually does is it allows us to not just be obedient to him, but into serving one another. That's tough. We live in a world that's very me first. We live in a world that says, do whatever you gotta do to make it to the top. We live in a world that says, it's okay if you kick a few people on your way up. We live in a world where we say, well, if the ends justify the means. We live in a world where we kind of say, hashtag YOLO, you figured out, listen to your heart, follow that path, and that's what you need to do. And Paul says, "That's, that's the flesh talking, but you no longer listen to the flesh because you have the spirit Inside of you. See, the gospel frees us to obey God, not to just please ourselves. So the question of, can I do whatever I want because of grace? That's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. The question is, how do I live for God? What is honoring to God? But it's tough. So I think Paul's kind of saying two things in verses 1 through 6 when he says, don't let anybody put a weight on your faith. He's saying, don't lose your freedom. Don't lose your freedom by giving up. But don't lose your freedom by saying you have to earn your way. Don't lose your freedom by listening uh, to legalism or to to rule keeping. Don't, don't, Don't lose your faith by turning to a system that says you have to lean on something plus Jesus in order to be in. he's saying, leave that all behind. You have been freed from that. Don't lose that freedom. But then he goes to the other side when he says, but also don't abuse your freedom. That the grace you have in Jesus, the freedom you have in Jesus isn't a free car to do whatever you want. It's not about permissiveness. Don't abuse your freedom either. See, the gospel leads to neither a guilty life, but also doesn't lead to an unholy life. The gospel compels us, but it's all about How do I begin to love God and love others because of Jesus in me? It is for freedom that we are freed. We don't lose our freedom by turning back to a system. And we don't abuse our freedom by living a law-breaking life. So that kind of begs the question. If Paul has covered this side, and he's also covered this side, you kind of want to know, well, how do I know if I'm, I'm doing good? How do I know if, if freedom is actually a part of my life? How do I know if this faith that I, I supposedly put my faith into is, is, is real and manifesting itself in my life? Well, Paul says, let me show you what that should look like. In, in, in Galatians 5, uh, 19 through 21, he talks about the, the fruit of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, things of the like. But then he says this, starting in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, what is it? There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Everybody say fruit for the second. One, two, three. Say fruit. So I think Paul here he's he's making an illustration. He's kind of leaning into the Galatians. He's saying, uh, you guys, let me let me draw you an illustration. You guys are all kind of like trees." And so everybody kind of holds out their arms. You don't got to do this because, you know, I, don't, I know you don't like touching people at church and all that stuff, all right? And so he says, I want everybody to hold that and pretend you're a tree. And, and so you get into your roots. You're all settled in, right? And so you're a tree. And he says, what are trees supposed to do? And they shout back, fruit or whatever, pomegranates, fill in your, your favorite type of fruit, right? But this idea of fruit has multiple implications. So number one is that a tree bears fruit when it's healthy and when it's growing, right? That that a tree is dead if it is not bearing any fruit. So he says, number one, you are like a tree because you are called to bear fruit. Now, a fruit is a reference of something that happens over time. It's gradual. It's not an instant. So that's kind of a good realization for us, that that moments after you say yes to Jesus, that the moment you come up from the watery grave of baptism, there's not this expectation that your life is going to be 100% drastically different, that there's a notion that it takes time, that there is growth. But number two, that in order for a tree to produce fruit, it needs to have good, strong, solid roots, right? It needs to have roots that go into the ground because a tree can't feed itself. I'm no botanist, but I'm pretty sure that's why a tree has roots. That a tree gets its nutrients from the ground, from the air, from the water in order to grow fruit. And so that's an illustration Paul is saying. So you grow fruit when you're healthy. You grow fruit gradually. But guess what? You grow fruit because there is a different source other than yourself. And that source is the spirit. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But perhaps the most important facet of a tree is why it grows fruit in the first place. You see, so imagine you're a tree, Okay, probably nobody's asked you to ever imagine, but imagine just for a second, you're a tree, right? And you're just sitting there, and you're growing some, some nice, juicy apples, and somebody comes and, 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 and reaches up and, and grabs one, and they take a bite, and then they just get this smile, like, this is the greatest apple ever. You as a tree, you're like, yeah, it is. I grow really good fruit, bro. You see, the purpose of a tree bearing fruit is for the sake of others to enjoy. A tree doesn't grow fruit and only puts it at the top where only it can have it. A tree doesn't doesn't bear fruit only on the inside of it so that it gets to keep it. A tree bears fruit in the same way that you bear fruit because of the Spirit for others to enjoy. It is for freedom that you have been freed. You bear fruit because of the Spirit so that others may enjoy that freedom. Freedom. The fruit of the spirit's a kind of a uh, somewhat of a common uh, passage. A lot of times in a Bible study or a small group, you might study the fruit of the Spirit. And what happens is we make it about us. We make it about us. We say, okay, well, well let's see, am I loving? Yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, this is going pretty good. I'm about pretty joyful. Uh, yeah, peace is going all right. Uh, patience, yeah, I need to work on that one, of course, obviously. Uh, goodness. And we go down this check mark and we say, okay, as soon as I begin to, to grow some of these, then I'm good and we keep it to ourselves, and we make it a personal checklist. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. We want to get get rid of this idea that your fruit is just for you. Rather, if it is for freedom, then your fruit is also for the sake of other people. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not a calling for you to check off on your list where you are with God. The fruit of the Spirit is for you to change the lives of other people. Did you ever notice what these fruit are? Again, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What do those all need? They need another person in order for them to do something. I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, I'd be, I would love to be known as a loving, joyous, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled man. I would love to raise my kid in the same manner. I would love to be a boss or an employee that has those attributes. I'd love to be a neighbor. I'd love to be every single relationship that I invested in has those attributes. But the best part is I don't have to rely on myself for those. I rely on my roots that feed me the spirit. Here's the last illustration about a tree though. So you're a tree, you're growing fruit. You've got the best apples in the world and somebody comes and plucks one from you and said, that's so good. The next time you produce fruit, guess what? There's gonna be two apples there or maybe three, maybe four. And so the more you give away your fruit, as long as your roots are strong and the spirit is vibrant in you, you will grow more and more and more fruit. That the more you give of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit to others, the more you will receive of the spirit in your Life. Paul's wrapping up Galatians. He's saying, it is for freedom that you have been freed. And faith, because we eagerly await that day in which we get to spend all of glory with God, because of that, faith is best expressed in love, and we produce fruit. If we were to sum up Galatians, we want to put it this way. That knowing Jesus' is freedom that knowing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that his life, his death, his resurrection means that we do not have to right our own wrongs in order to be made right with God, that we are freed. We're freed from a system of trying to fit into a box before we get to know Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. The gospel then continues. It says, but it is for freedom that you have been freed, that Jesus set you free to set others I want to I want to close out uh, this series with, with an illustration. So let's just uh, say for a second, as we move to a time of response here, that this backpack represents your life. That you just naturally were born with this backpack. And let's be honest, it comes with some weight already. It comes with some of the things that we carry around with us on a regular basis. the The sins, the mistakes, the things that I did do that I shouldn't have, the things that I... Should have have done, but I didn't do. We all we we kind of carry those things around with us. But the Galatians has been kind of dealing with another issue. They've been taking some good things that have been given from God, but they got twisted. They've got distorted, and, and, and those started to get added into the backpack. And so the Galatians they're they're kind of carrying this this weight around with them, and they get to the edge of the pool, and they think. I could try to swim, (laughs) but I know sooner rather than later, this is going to be too heavy. It's going to pull me under. I'm going to drown, but I want to get in. And it's in that moment, the lifeguard shouting, hey, over here, man, come come, come over to me. And you're like, oh, thank goodness, there's a lifeguard. And you, and you run over to the lifeguard and say, Mr. Lifeguard, I want to enjoy the swim, but I got this way. I don't know how to take it. But he goes, good. Do you want to enjoy the swim? Do you want to have this life that's better than any other life? Do you want to have this freedom and, and, and enjoy this life and the next? And you're like, well, absolutely, that sounds great. What, what do I got to do? And he leans in and he says, have faith. You don't need to prove that you can swim. You don't need to to fit into a box. You don't need to to show me a certain thing about you. He says, All you need to do in order to enjoy the pool of faith is to give me your weight. Wait, that's it? I don't know if you I don't know what you know, but there's some stuff in here, man. And he says, No, no, just, just let me take it. And he sets it down. He says, Now go swim. I'll teach you how to swim. Over time, you'll get better. You'll go from the shallow end to the deep end. I'll show you that there's some rules that are for your safety, but enjoy the swim. Give me your weight. Now now imagine that's you, and you're, you're, you're splishing and you're splashing and you're enjoying the pool, and it's so fun, and you're going down the slide and you're doing backflips off the high dive and you're playing Marco Polo, and you catch somebody out of the corner of your eye who is also holding a backpack and they're getting really close to getting into the pool. If you have that freedom, what are you going to do? You guys, guys, hold on. Time out. we got to quit playing for a second because we don't want that person to get into this pool with that weight on. They don't know it, but guess what? That lifeguard will take care of it. And so you run over to that person. You say, I know you want to swim. I know it looks fun. We want you in this pool. But before you come in, just go see the lifeguard. He's going to do something so amazing that it's going to blow your mind. Okay, and so then you see this person walk over to the lifeguard, and you see them take off their weight and jump into the pool. And person after person after person gets to experience that same freedom because of your freedom. It is for freedom that we have been. That we have freedom in Jesus, not to keep it to ourselves, but to help other people enjoy their free swim as well. So as the band gets ready to lead us in a time of response, one of the best ways for us to remember that is to remember Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That there are stations throughout the room, communion stations, where there is a cracker and a little bit of juice for us to remember. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and the freedom you give. Whenever you're ready during the songs, we invite you to partake of that. That if you are a believer in Jesus, we would love for you to take communion with us as a response of worship. Some of you have made the decision because of your freedom, you have said, Jesus, I want to follow you and I've brought my tithe to give back to you and to your church. That would be a great time to do it. Maybe you're you're sitting here and you're still holding on to that backpack. And you want to find out more. What does that look like? I want to get rid of this backpack and enjoy faith. The way that Galatians talks about. If that's you this morning, you can fill out that connection card and we would love to talk to you. But there's one last thing that I want to do. Is that maybe through this morning, somebody is propped up in your mind? Maybe somebody has come into your heart. Somebody who is yet to experience that freedom of faith. Who is that person? Maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's the person you're sitting next to. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody you haven't talked to in years. But you don't want them to try and get in that pool with the weight holding them down. So during this time, if you've got somebody, we would love for you to write your name on a connection card. And on the back, just write their name down and just say, pray with us. Because we would love to pray with you and help you set others free. So let me tell you this, church that there is no greater joy in this life. There is no better feeling than helping somebody else experience freedom for the first time. It's better than that job you've always wanted. It's better than that house you've always dreamed of. It's better than upgrading that car. Guess what? It's even better than the best church service you've ever been to. It's better than that small group that has rocked your world. It's better than that Devo time that's gotten stronger. And those are all good things. Those are all necessary things. But the best and greatest use of our fruit, of our freedom, is to help set others free to enjoy their free swim too. So would you stand with us as we continue to worship? And we want to leave you with this question. Who do you need to help set free?